Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fox TV's podcast 395. Terry Miller, the disc golf guy. Not quite alongside. I'm virtually alongside Johnny V as I'm coming to everybody from Tyler, Texas. And Johnny, you're back in Wisconsin and and maybe most notably a year older than you were last week. Happy uh, birthday. Yeah, well, thank you very much. Yes, I am. Uh, I, I just turned 24. 24. <laughs> yes. uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, 24. Sure, sure, sure. No, uh, I turned 44. I'm, I'm an old man. Uh, not quite closer to 50 yet, thankfully. But it was my birthday. <laughs> well, I think you are closer to 50. I'm not as close to 50 as I could be. Let's put it that way. You are right, though. I am getting closer to 50. Um, God, that just that does sound so old, doesn't it? 50? It, it just and I know it. I don't feel old. I'm not old. I don't feel that way. It just yeah. You're like 50 is that number. You're like wow. Okay, old man. Um, yeah, I got to spend my entire birthday in the studio with a bunch of the guys doing the Belton coverage. So that was a lot of fun. And then I came home and. Uh, watch some Netflix with my wife and put the kids to bed. That was like literally the extent of my birthday. So, yeah, well, it was uh, that took place on Sunday, of course, as you said, the open at Belton. So let's get into it. Uh, and a little disclaimer of not only am I in Texas, uh, but and, and Johnny's in Milwaukee prepping for tomorrow's event, as will I be. I'm going to do some uh, post-production commentary as soon as we're done with this. That's uh, I'll get into that later. But uh, we're going to be probably a little bit on the short end tonight into uh, everything we've got for you as we're gearing up, wrapping up Belton, and then heading right into Texas State, which starts in, uh, well, almost literally 12 hours from right now. So we'll be able to talk about that as well. But let's talk about Belton. Um, I was traveling. I was doing some other things. So give me your take. You know, I know you're in a control room and you're not exactly watching it like a fan does, but kind of break down. Um, and let's start with the format. Format of uh, the the 
men and the women, kind of a la 2021, right? Yeah, yeah. We did the uh, – it might be the last time we do it this year, my understanding is. But um, we did the old school overlap where the uh, the men started out in the morning. And when the men got to – well, usually it's about whole 12 to 13. The women are teeing off at that point. It, it is a scheduled time. It's not like when the when, when the men get to a particular hole. It is a scheduled hour and minute. Um, then the women tee off. So we actually had a little bit of overlap with our coverage. So it was a very uh, busy coverage day for us on Sunday. It was a one day coverage event because it is just a silver series. So what you're getting, you're not getting the full three day event. I know a lot of people were out there like, Hey man, this is look at all the people here. Like why aren't you covering all three days? (laughs) And unfortunately all these plans are made well, well in advance, uh, including scheduling. Sometimes we'll put it that way, put a little pin in that. Um, uh, A lot of these Uh, Media plans are usually made well in advance, so we don't know who's going to be at these Silver Series. Obviously, with Belton, you do have a lot of people, but in, what, three weeks or whatever it is, the next event, you might have 10,020 rated players and below. So these things are decided well ahead of time. Um, Obviously, manpower and expenses and all these other things that we need to take into account. But the coverage was really good. Um, We had some good golf. Chris Dickerson on the MPO side really kind of ran away with it Uh, going into that third round. He had a six stroke lead Uh, Macbeth for a little bit, made it a little bit interesting. Like he kind of got within a few, but ultimately no one was taking this away from Chris Dickerson. He, he got his, his first big win of the season at Belton here and, uh, and, and just played a phenomenal three rounds of golf. Macbeth had a bad first round, which I don't want to say took him out of it, but he had to do, he had to climb two mountains, one each day in order to get in, in order to get on uh, on that podium. And he did it. I mean, he tied with Ricky for second. So it went Chris Dickerson in first, Paul and Ricky tied for second at 22 under, Nico at 21, Kyle Klein at 19, Corey Ellis, Kelvin Heimberg, Emerson Keith, and Chris Clemens all tied at 18 in sixth place. It was uh, it, it was a it was a fun round to watch. I'm not gonna lie, it was all right. Yeah, and I mean the way you described it a moment ago is is essentially what in terms of when I talked to him at the press conference today, he said he dug himself into a hole during the first round with a very poor round, and then just it it was too much to overcome. He knew he had an idea of what he needed to do, and you know as you said, Chris Dickerson was able to hold him off, but. Really opening with that four of a first round. Was he seven or nine back of Dickerson after the first round or whatever it was? He, yeah, it was he like did nine. just that. He dug himself into a hole and then had a, a, a little bit of a, a hill to climb both of those days. So um, I, I want to touch on just for a moment. As you said, we're not necessarily going to see this caliber of golf of golfers at every one of our Silver Series events. And, you know, there's something to be said, you know, and this is not to take away from Belt, of course, but there's something to be said about it. The early season, it obviously fits right into the swing perfectly uh, of having the two other Texas events uh, being Waco and then, of course, being Texas States this weekend. So everything fits into place perfectly in order for this field to be where it is. And, of course, they love the golf and, and Belt does a great job. So there's no question. But 
it, it is very fair to say most of our Silver Series events will not be this stout in terms of, um, you know, the competition level. Wouldn't you no, say? Uh, correct. I mean, we're looking at the next Silver Series event is Music City Open uh, next weekend, and it's got a decent Mm -hmm. lineup i mean i think you're going to see a lot of the overseas guys they're going to play and gals they're going to play as many events as they can in here but the the music city looks decent with ricky and and dickerson hamas klein kj linus uh mason ford so you've got most of your big guys but then like you kind of start the weekend after that is the open at tallahassee and that one has uh, Waisaki, Macbeth, Orem, Jones, Ford, Nico. So it's got, again, some of them. Then you kind of tail off after that. Um, and granted, it's a little early, so it's hard to say for sure who's going to be where. But some of these Silver Series events are not going to get that same respect that that these are. Santa Cruz might have a few. Uh, Beaver State Fling is going to obviously get a couple because they're old school uh, NT events. And then you've got like the Sula, which who knows how that's going to go. The Mid-America Open. Ultimately, we're going to see players. There's always going to be decent players, but we can't always guarantee the best players. Yeah, and, I, and I'll, I'll even jump ahead into next weekend. Uh, the, it's somewhat divided because we're seeing a number of really good players that will be playing in, in Florida for the Throwdown the Mountain which has dabbled or, or was it going to be a silver series event back in 2020 before COVID it was actually, uh, you know, one of the stops and just a lot of people enjoy that course, enjoy that property. Barnett also does a great job. So I think we're going to see, you know, Macbeth and Heimberg and a number of other really good players that are going to be, you know, dividing up their time and attention uh, over there as well. And then music city, I, I think about, um, correction, not Music City. I think about uh, t- uh, the Open at Tallahassee the weekend after. There's a couple, obviously, lots of players that are in it, but some are kind of taking that as what seems like a little bit of a break before heading into the Champions Cup and the Major that's the week after, knowing that they want to be fully prepared uh, for going over to yeah. you know the IDGC at Augusta. It wouldn't shock me Apple. to, and, and I, I don't know anything at this point, but it wouldn't shock me if a couple of those <laughs> people uh for the open at tallahassee dropped out if they if they decided the last minute like you know what i'm gonna go prep for the major in a week or two rather than playing the open because we obviously know these guys sign up for a lot of things right away at the beginning of the year um so we'll we'll see about that but i'm not counting on anyone dropping out but you never know just uh, the way some of these guys are and gals <laughs> uh, yeah and and again i you know one of the things that in prepping for today's press conference I was noticing the schedule and so many of our players are right in the middle of what is a eight or nine week swing of event after event after event. And that includes, you know, some of for some of them, that includes two four round opening events being Las Vegas and Memorial. Um, that's going to include the, the four round major. That's going to include some silver series and some. Um, you know, elite series events at three rounds. So that grind, I know it's their job and, and they're professionals, but eight or nine weekends in a row playing that much high level golf, few of them I think are going to be ready for a break. I agree. I think they will be. All Let's, right. So over on the yeah FPO side, break down what you saw there. 
On the FPO side, actually, it was interesting because I got to sit and watch that. We, I was doing some training for uh, a gentleman who's going to take over some of our Silver Series events doing the show switching. So I had planned with him during the early part of the round. I said, listen, when it gets to just the FPO and there's only really one true card of coverage and then we kind of pop in on the second card, do you, would you like to step in? And he said, sure. So I got to kind of watch a little bit of the FPO and it was exciting. Um, it came down to the final hole, as uh, you know, some of these events have been doing. Katrina Allen looked like she had it wrapped up. She she get, comes to hole seventeen, and at that point on hole seventeen, it was kind of a little battle between her and Kristen Tatar. Valerie Mondahano was ahead of them, and I believe maybe even already finished up or was just tapping in, but. Uh, Tatar right off the tee slams a tree and everyone kind of assumes she's out of it at that point. What we don't know is she's going to have a phenomenal upshot and then an even better putt into a wind uphill to a mound that everybody else is missing and slam chains and make it for to save her par. But prior to that, Cat walks up, has a great tee shot, gets to the mound and by all, all rights should just jam this disc into the side of the hill under the basket because the landing zone on this particular hill is very small. It's it's maybe what looks like two to maybe three feet wide up a mound. And Kat, I don't know if she was just feeling good about her putt and just kind of thought, no, I'm just going to can this and end it here. Or if she just made a mental mistake and wasn't keeping track of anything. But she ran at it, missed the putt, from what looked to be about 25 feet, maybe maybe it was a little further away. Rolls down the other side of the hill, rolls like 40 feet away. At that point, then she lays it up. I think she's 15 out, cans it for a, a, a bogey. Now, at this point, she's officially tied with Valerie Mondahano, and Kristen Tatar is only one back. So Kat has to get to the 18th hole, and she has to birdie it unless we're going to extra holes. And she has a eh, it looked like a tight drive on the right hand side to the trees that were kind of that kind of line the center. I don't say line the center of the fairway, but they're a little bit off to the right. She gets it up a little bit. I I don't know if it would have mattered so much, but she does get through them, throws up the absolute perfect forehand shot, parks the hole, has a drop in birdie to to seal the deal. Cat comes away with another victory. On the uh, well, this was a silver series, but I kind of want to say on the tour, so to speak. So Kat is, you know, she's uh, she's firing all cylinders right now. Her putt looks good. Her drive looks great. Um, The only thing you could really question is her decision making. And and that that could be a lack of knowledge. But, you know, she has always said she doesn't keep track of scores. But, you know, those are the type of things that, you know. Austin Hannum should get slapped for that because <laughs> he's right there on her bag. He's got to be telling her that Austin so. being the caddy. Yeah. Not, not for, <laughs> I mean, not, for not maybe for, other uh, reasons. I don't know, but for sure, if, for being, the caddy uh, insight. yeah, for being the insight into the, uh, the team there, he, he definitely needs to be on that to tell her to just push that right into the hill. And maybe she, maybe he did. And, and she just thought, nah, I can hit this because I'm feeling good. Well, I'd, I don't yeah, know. I'll, I'll jump in and say that the board is saying largely that she didn't. She had maybe she said it on a podcast or an interview or something that she didn't know the scores. Yeah, that she I, wasn't keeping track of them, and that's um, you know maybe part of what led into her overall decision making. 
mm-hmm. good, bad, or indifferent, whatever, I understand. But yeah, it sounds like, at least according to a couple of people on the board, they're saying that she, you know, she didn't know the scores. Um, and I believe she said that during the post round interview, and that might be the oh. case. Uh, but that again, then that falls on Austin Hannum. <laughs> the, he has to be the one to know. Somebody has to. Somebody has to know the position yeah. on hole seventeen with a dangerous green that she just needs. To, if she because if she puts it in the side of the hill, then all she needs to do is get a par on the final hole to win, or even sure. Uh, yeah, she puts it. Yeah, she takes another stroke off. She just has to get a par to win, and, and and she doesn't need that birdie. And a par is relatively easy on that hole. It's got a wide open fairway. You know, you could get up there, and she could have laid up uh, an approach for crying out loud. So, yeah, uh, well, maybe maybe she just wanted the dramatic finish. She wanted the birdie to win. If that's the case bless her heart because it makes it exciting for us in the control room. It makes it exciting for the viewers. If she can keep them all within about a stroke for the whole season, I would love that. I mean, I'm not, not wishing her to lose or anything, but if she can keep them close, everybody, yeah, on, we, uh, we want, everybody watching would love that. Keeping everybody on the edge of their seats. And then uh, arguably one of the most notable people that wasn't there in the FPO division being Paige Pierce. And I talked to her today about that and we've seen her be pretty vocal on social media about how she's really just she's really dialing in where she wants to play when she wants to play and then when she wants to lead her you know off off the course life and um, being you know occupied now with living and having space and having her own house uh, along with Alyssa over there in Florida having a dog spending time with her you know her family from Texas and having other friends visit it it, I don't want to say it's a whole new page. It's just a very, um, you know, it feels like she's really compartmentalizing exactly what she's trying to accomplish. Do, do we want to get, do we want to go total sports talk radio here for a second? Uh, sure. You can try. I'll All right. Play along. Probably miss a reference or four. <laughs> no, no, no. Has Paige Pierce lost a little competitive edge in, in herself? I, I, like, and again, yeah. the, the, again, this is where you play sports talk radio. You throw out the big hot take mm-hmm. and, and you get, let somebody come back, but she's now making money. She has a house. She has a family. She has a dog. She love you know, she, you can see her spending more casual time. Has she lost just a touch of that fierce drive that she used to have yeah. now that she can afford not her- to do that? Yes, yeah, her good friend and caddy, previous caddy Paul Martin, on the board says, has she turned the page? Um, here, here's what I'll say. That thought honestly crossed my mind as a question to ask her for today's press conference. Uh, yeah. I, I was going to ask almost exactly that directly to her, and I, I didn't ask that specific question. But she, although I didn't ask it, she answered it. And if you if you watch it from today, and I wish we had it queued up. She just said, I am very conscious about the tournaments that get me fired up, and I'm still competitive. I still want to come out and win. I just want to be more specific and intentional. I think if I could you know, put a word in her mouth, I think intentional would be that word. And I can appreciate that. That shows maturity. And then she finished her, her explanation off and said, I'm still playing 23 events. I'm playing all of the Disc Golf Pro Tour Elite Series events, and I'm playing the majors. 
it's hard. It's hard to challenge. Now, if she had nine events on her schedule, we'd all be like, all right, you know, you're on your way out. You're, you're starting to hang it up. She's got 23 events on her schedule. It's, it's, it's hard to second guess that we just maybe don't see out a few of these, dare I say, smaller in quotes, smaller events. And maybe she will, she and still will be at a few, but it's got to be the few that she, that means something special or something specific to her. I, I can't falter. I, I don't know, nor do I, especially, and honestly, it's kind of funny because everyone thinks, oh, hometown Belton. No, this is the event I, I do expect her yeah. to miss because family's in town. You can, there's so many other things for her to, to visit and, and, and take whatever. I, I'm not questioning her, her, her tour schedule. I'm, I'm questioning whether her her drive to win and maybe and again, yeah. sports talk radio crap. I, I honestly think that Paige is still going to be competitive. She's going to win, you know, a half dozen events this year, almost <laughs> without question, as she does every year. Um, I just wonder if the other competitors are are now fighting a little harder than maybe she is. Are they putting in a little bit more time than she is these days? Are they, you know, that's, that's where I get the, uh, not that she has less of a drive to win. You put her on, you put her on hole one and you put Katrina on hole one and you put Valerie Mondahano on hole one. They all want to win the same. I, I have no question about that. I just question. And I do this with a lot of players. What are they, you know, when they, so to speak, when they get the bag, are, are, are they pushing a little less? Are they not practicing quite as much? Are they, you know, when you're not on the road all the time and you can afford to be home, that's a lot of extra. It's kind of the whole joke where we used to joke about someone getting a girlfriend or a boyfriend on tour and your their game was going to go downhill or something crazy. I always said, I don't think the person is the reason, but your your mind is now being occupied by other things. You maybe don't squeeze in those extra 50 putts you would normally do at night because there you're going to take the dog for a walk. You're going to, uh, you know, fix some plumbing in your house. Your car needs a, to, to get an oil change or, you know, there's yard work that has to be done. I, I, I just question whether or not we're, we're seeing other competitors who don't have the luxuries of Paige Pierce fighting harder to get up to where she is. Yeah, I, I'll just kind of put a, uh, a pin in that and say, I think this is all part of her realizing that her being more, I'll say well-rounded, whatever that means to her, being more well-rounded will probably gain her more success and happiness. And therefore, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not too worried about it. I, and I know she, she has a sixth and a second place finish so far this year, or second and the sixth. Um, as she said today, those, those are, that's, that was one hole. That was two holes yeah, uh, throughout the, the duration of that tight. tournament because the competition is so tight. But at the same time, I think, okay, one or two holes go differently and, and she could be, you know, a back-to-back winner on the tour. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm not at all concerned. I think this is going to be her way of, having a, a, a better inner peace and being more well-rounded. And I think that's going to translate possibly into better golf out of her because then when she does step on the course, it's a refocus of nothing but business. I have this life. I've set it aside. 
for the next three days or the next four hours, whatever it is, whether it's a weekend or for the round, I'm here to play golf. And I, I mean, I get, again, it's all just a, an experiment for us to, you know, really sit and watch unfold in front of our eyes. But I have a feeling knowing her skills and as she said, the way she's grinded, now she just needs to show up on the weekend and, and make sure she gives it 100% when she's there. And yeah. when she does that, of course, she's going to be tough to beat. Oh, for sure. My actual take on this is that the competition is just better. Like, honestly, she she is still sitting. Well, that too. The, like the, the what the top rated woman in the world. PDGA rating. I don't know if Katrina maybe caught her now. I haven't I haven't I, looked I, at ratings. I, I, I'm, I'm just going to be blunt, blunt and a, a jerk, jerk for a moment. I don't know who's rated what. Anymore. I don't care. And either. I'm almost to a well, I'm almost to a point of wondering if how much I should care. Because there's nine different ratings and rankings. And yes. Anyway, go on. Go on with your point. So so either way, my actual take is that I just think the the FPL competition has caught up to her. It used to be her and Katrina were more or less one, two. But now we see probably, you know, any given weekend, four or five women that could take this title. Maybe even more than that. Because you've got Kat and Paige, Kristen, Henna, Evelina, Valerie Mondahano is stepping into this uh, perspective. Uh, you always you always have Hokum on these wooded courses. She's not Hokum has never been a big, strong early season contender. We all know that these courses don't suit her game. She loses strokes in the open. But you know, once we start to get to wooded courses, Hokum you can add right up there as a top five. We're seeing Holland Handley, uh, Own Scoggins, uh, just some of these women that are playing uh, as well or better than Paige. And almost, I can't say that about Katrina because she's winning. So uh, no one's playing as well as Katrina right now. Uh, the, the, FPO, the FPO game is so much fun to watch these days. Yeah, it, it certainly has. Uh, we're, we're seeing so much more parity, as we say. Uh, and then, you know, a couple of women that just haven't been here fully in their own in their own regard, uh, physically or or maybe uh, fully uh, invested or have shown up is um, Haley King, who didn't have an incredible showing early so far and now isn't here this weekend. And then Missy Gannon. There's two more women that certainly are going to be in the conversation on any given weekend. You know, they will be uh, once they, you know, they get caught up, so to speak, uh, with whatever they're working on. And then, you know, a lot of the board is talking about Kona Panis and showing that she can be a contender, but she's currently on a very, very slow roll to that here in the 2022 season. And that could turn around this weekend. That could turn around next weekend you know i mean we all know it could happen at any point but at a certain point you know she might be second guessing herself and and oh, for sure I'm, I'm sure she's working through all of that as we go yeah I'm, I'm sure a lot of it for kona is just uh working on learning her plastic her new plastic and finding a comfortable putt honestly because we know that's where some of the places she's been struggling and so whether it's finding the right disc or finding the right form I'm, I have zero concerns that, you know, Kona is going to at some point step up her game and show up. Uh, I, I mean, there's a lot of people pounding down or punching down on Kona right now for her finishes after the getting this large contract that we saw in the offseason that some people were saying was maybe not necessarily deserved based on her play and more based on her social media. I'm again, I'm not super concerned about Kona. I think she will show up 
at some point, uh, hopefully in the next you know few weeks, if not this week. But I think we are going to see um, the uh, some some of the other women this week. I I, I don't know. I I, I kind of want to bet against Cat that she's not going to go three in a row, but. It's that's a hard bet to take because uh, the way cats yeah, playing, it's um, just very hard to go three in but, a row. Like you've got a target on your back. Yeah, and and she has for a number of years because she's obviously been one of our top players. But then I also look at you know is is now the time she breaks her Texas State's curse? Where <laughs> from my research, I couldn't see that she's ever won a Texas State's. Uh, and you know Haley King, of course, has held her uh, back from that. Page mostly has been the one that's finished in front of her. Uh, I, I showed her the list right after the uh, the press conference today, and she said, I think it was the 2013 one. She's like, oh, I remember that. She goes, Val beat me. Valerie Jenkins had beat me. And she goes, and I remember leaving there thinking, oh, I need to learn how to throw in the wind because that's what Val had outperformed her by. I think she lost to Val by four strokes. So she, you know, so there's clearly some takeaways. And again, this event has rotated. So it's not so much about the course. And clearly, I, 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 it would be tough to find another state where Kat hasn't, you know, picked up a victory at some point in her 178 wins or 183 or whatever it is. Um, oh, she, but I mean, I'm sure she has a Texas. This one's I'm, gotten past her. I'm sure she has a Texas win. In fact, we saw that at Waco. No, Valerie won that one. But I'm I'm sure she has a Texas win, just not a Texas States win. Oh, Texas, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, no, no. She's got lots of Texas. Yeah, Texas wins in Texas, yeah. but Texas States tournaments. Yeah, as they're, you know, the Texas States as an event. Um, she does not have a Texas States title. That that was what I was trying to well, she, get she, at. So, she, Well, she better get it. And who knows? Maybe, you know, there might never be another Texas States again. Who knows? They could secede, you know, this event, they could you secede know. from the nation. They could be their own country, and then we're out of luck. Yes, this could be the Texas Country Championship next year. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, there, there are a lot of trucks in Texas. I noticed lots of them. So, um, yeah, it, it's pretty exciting. You know, here we're seeing events, and, and I don't know if this has any real bearing, and at no point did I bring it up today, but – this is what was a national tour event. And now, you know, here, of course, on the Disc Golf Pro Tour, it doesn't feel any different if you show up and you've been at any pro tour events in the last few years and then go up to this event. It has all the exact same looks and feels and dressing and, and appeal. Everything about it is it's an elite series event that is now branded as part of the pro tour. But if you you know have an older mentality or you've been around a little while it there is still this this invisible it's truly an invisible distinction of like oh yeah this was a national tour okay well now it's a pro tour like i i don't know where where am i getting that from is that just cuz i i always live in the past johnny a little bit yes that is Why true am I thinking you, about it you <laughs> do always live in the past i it, it's it's probably just you and there might be a few older players on the tour that have been around for a while that maybe get a little bit of that feeling, uh, but it is kind of funny that we see a whole bunch of, and I'll be curious, not so much this event, but the, the, uh, the NTs that are now silver series, how those will feel. 
your Masters Cup, your, you know, your Music Beaver City, State. Beaver State, those ones which were NT events and now are Silver Series. I wonder how those are going to feel as opposed to this one, because this is an elite series. It went from an elite series NT to an elite series DGPT. There is virtually no distinction here. It's the other ones. I'm curious how those will. Yeah. And, and, and I think to be fair, you know, for anyone that's wondering about that distinction, a lot of that has to do with live capabilities. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like, yeah, we, we would have seen that we would have seen Beaver state Mm -hmm. if they would have, you know, wanted to go to the format of one round a day. And if they had cell signal, I think we would have seen that beat then just become you know, a, an elite series event, Masters Cup, same idea. If it had those capabilities, unfortunately, some of those things are what prevent it from being live and therefore kind of carrying that same media weight that it could otherwise carry. So, um, but yeah, we'll, it would be interesting to see how those events all unfold when they, when they get there. Let's talk a little bit about the actual course. Tim Court says from what he's seen, he's he likes it. This course is different than what we've seen in the past. In the past at Tyler, we've seen a very heavily wooded course that required a lot of shot shaping and technicality, so to speak. But this is a new course. You got to interview a bunch of players today. You got to interview Barsby, who was one of the course designers here. Um, it, it's a different course. We have now um, five or six wooded holes that we've seen. And I think only four of them are repeats from last year, even. Mm -hmm. And the rest are relatively longer open holes with some danger. You've got OB in a lot of spots and random, I say random, but uh, park style trees that can get in your way. Uh, What is the feeling on the ground? If you've, if you've had a chance to ask players, whether on the record or maybe off the record, about this particular course. Yeah, I mean, just like we talked about pretty extensively within the press conference with a number of players, this the, there seemed to be a sentiment of people. How to rephrase this? If you took a poll of a hundred players, I feel like it would lean more in the unfavorable category overall than the favorable category. Um, and I and but that could be for a lot of different reasons. I mean, as as Barsby and some others put it, uh, Chris Dickerson, I think, was one of them that said, you know, he was anticipating to show up and essentially play the same course that he did last year. And then this was a different style and a totally, you know, a, a very different look to it. So I think there's some blame on just the overall expectations I think some players were either surprised or just had different expectations. And then, uh, yeah, that, that seems like a majority of it is I don't think so much that the course itself as it stands on its own, people necessarily dislike it. I think it was more of, you know, it was, it was more of the, the, the messenger that versus the message. Mm-hmm. And it just felt like to some people it was a little bit of a frustration point or a letdown. Now, if that's true or to what degree that's true, when or where that was communicated, as I say, you know, not above, you know, that's above my pay grade. I don't know what was or wasn't given or, or maybe everything was given. And then they still showed up and were surprised. You know, (laughs) you and I are both parents, Johnny. So we know that, 
sometimes you know an email gets sent home or a or a permission slip gets sent home, and um, because you see so many of them, you you kind of become numb to them. And maybe maybe there was some communication with the players, and they didn't you know look into it seriously enough or or think much of it. And then they get here and see, oh yeah, this is considerably different. There's 14 holes that are different, and that I think kind of sparked some of the response. I mean, I ultimately after the press conference, I walked pretty much the entire course because uh, I'd never been here before. Last year, the only time uh, you know I had any t- uh, Tyler experience was for this event, but it was exclusively from watching the coverage and, and commentating on it from Ben. So this was my first event ever in Tyler for any event, and it's very historic, and it's had all these different courses and layouts and, and you know huge events. But to walk the course, I, I liked it. Um, nothing jumped out at me as crazy. There's a lot of talk about, we'll say, hole 18. And um, I love the challenge of 18. I don't love the aesthetics of 18. And, you know, largely because your main OB on the right is is the road that goes through the course, which I do, I am okay with. But then your main OB all along the left side is the back of a baseball diamond. And, of course, we see that at, Ledgestone, um, you know, just in general, I, you know, if, if you've been around disc golf for a long time, it is no big deal. If you're a brand new player, you're a brand new spectator, and you're seeing that one of the largest events of the year, or one of the larger events of the year, you know, kind of wraps around the back of a baseball diamond, I could see how that could turn somebody off or, or they could second guess that. I can understand that. Um, the whole the challenge of the hole is is phenomenal. Um, it, yeah, it'll be great to see how that one, you know, kind of ultimately plays out and what that does um, come the final hole of the tournament. So nothing jumped out at me when I when I looked when I walked the eighteen holes. Nothing jumped out at me as crazy. I mean, you've got a world champion helping or doing the majority of the design, and then you had multiple people, you know providing feedback and input and, and the club and the, and everyone else involved. So it's not like, you know, bars, we just, you know, rolled out, you know, a couple of tee pads and, and sprinkled them in some OB and said, okay, I'm done. It just, I think it was a change that most weren't expecting. I think that's, that's the crux of the, mm-hmm. of the issue. I agree. I think that, uh, that m- the players did not expect to see, a more open course versus a more wooded course. And this could turn out to be a phenomenal course. A lot of drama, Mm -hmm. a lot of excitement, this and that. And and the fans will love it. Uh, I I don't think anybody, I don't want to say anybody. If this turns out to be a decent course, you're not going to hear people complain that they didn't get the wooded course. What I am wondering is if you feel like courses like Belton in general last year, the heavily wooded courses are on their way out. Are, have we, are, are we going to start seeing these events have to cater to crowds? And we know these woods courses don't cater to that. Now you could probably, again, squeeze in, a, a, let's just say a 50-50, 50% wooded, 50% open, a lot like Waco, where maybe the, the crowd doesn't go into the woods and they just have to kind of hang out in the open. Or you have little patches inside of the woods where you could you could set a bunch of spectators but 
I'm wondering if we're going to start to see the end of heavily wooded courses for the spectators. Yeah. And, and, you know, and that brings up a great point. A lot of people are saying, well, why did, why are we seeing this course in the first place the way it is? And that very much was taken into consideration. If we're going to continue to have five, six, 700, 1200, 1800 people showing up that want to watch live disc golf, there's just only so much room on some of these, some of these fairways, you know, barely fit the entire card of players shoulder to shoulder as they're walking down a fairway, let alone, you know, trying to shuffle in hundreds of, of spectators. And you always have to remember, and I think this is easily forgotten, it's not just the three or four or five or 800 spectators that are watching the card that's playing. Those spectators are then inherently impacting the entire flow of the rest of the tournament. They're impacting what's happening to the chase card. Um, they're impacting other fairways where they need to be or where they're shuffling around. And they could potentially be, I don't want to say ruining, but they could be, you know, affecting the 12th card that's out there and the fifth card that's out there and the third card that's out there. And it's not to say we don't love and want all our spectators, but there is course management that needs to be considered. And when you're talking about that many, uh, that many spectators, it's a legitimate concern. So that's a long-winded way of saying, yeah, I don't know how tight these woods can remain for these most elite level events. Not if we're going to welcome hundreds and hundreds of spectators. The follow-up, I'll, I'll flip that question back to you with is, if spectators are a huge concern and how we're going to get them around a course, do we simply, instead of going to more open courses, do we just really, really limit the amount of spectators? Is that the answer? That could be for some courses. Take uh, uh, Maple Hill or uh, Brewster's Ridge, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's the – I was confused. Brewster Ridge, yeah. Brewster Ridge. Oh, is that one in uh, Fox yeah, Run? Yeah, Brewster Ridge. Yeah, Fox Run. Well, Fox Run is called Fox Run Meadows. Fox so Run just Meadows. consider okay. that the open one. That, I'll consider that one the open one. <laughs> yeah, I, I never, I never think about Fox Run Meadows. I always just call it Fox Run. Yes. So Fox Run Meadows. So you take Brewster and Maple Hill. Each of those have places for spectators to stand in specific mm -hmm. areas. You know, you've got all up by hole one. Um, I think you maybe have some by hole two as well. You've got no, you've got, there should be no spectators on four, five, six, you know, not until you get to eight. Th those are spots where you cannot have spectators. Um, with the exception of the, 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 the VIP ones that are very, very limited. So I guess the, the question woods is. Been passed, as, the as woods Steve been, Dodge called it. Three, yeah, the wood. three through six or three. Yeah. Three yeah. through six. He had the VIP woodsman pass a Maybe couple of years people? ago. Maybe. Uh, yeah. And, mm -hmm. and so do we, are we going to see more of that? Are we going to see more of a, a special VIP where you can kind of follow along the lead card through these wooded holes? Are we going to see more, uh, we'll call it assigned seating where, Oh, guess what? You, you know, you're going to get to this area and this is the area, maybe these, this two hole areas where you need to be with your ticket, maybe, or you have certain tickets that will, that do allow roaming so that you can really, uh, uh, maintain a particular space. I, 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 it's obviously course dependent because the money that the revenue that's being generated, like it or not, is significant. I mean, you're talking 
50, 70, $100 tickets. And if you're talking, you know, a thousand people, 2000 people, I mean, I mean, that could be anywhere from 10 to 30,000, $40,000, depending on the course, the location, the, the tickets, the, the merchandise, whatever you're selling, all that stuff. That's, that's nothing to scoff at. I mean, those yeah. are th- those are things that we have to consider, and I don't I don't have the right answer. Well, I probably do, but no one's asked me. Yeah, I'm not going to ask you. Um, and, and just to clarify, because I know you're you're largely in uh, a cave during the events, we have seen some of those very things implemented in terms of you know your VIP pass gives you access to a certain uh, or a large amount of the areas or almost all of them uh you may have a a general admission pass that gets you into this area or that area i believe one of our events even had like hey this is the general area that you can stand in and you can see these three or four holes right here but you're pretty much restricted to this general standing area and you can't go to these other sections and areas so you know some of that is is unfolding i mean and it's funny i'm even happen to be wearing uh something that i got today i don't know if anyone can see this but uh right on here they're color coding now some of the various media badges and other spectator badges and this says tier one Ooh, um, on it yeah <laughs> humble brag right there I'm kind of a big yeah i'm a big deal no this you know but this basically says hey you know i can go into certain areas and i can be making certain content so even from a media perspective there's color coding to badges about, hey, you you can be on these cards or you can be on that card or uh, you're restricted to which day you can be out here even filming things. Like it's all stepping itself up into, uh, you know, another level of professionalism and, uh, you know, doing what's best. So it's it's all incredible and crazy. And and there's plenty of old school players that are just shaking their fists, you know, in the air yelling, this isn't what we ever wanted. You know, we wanted to grow, but not this way. <laughs> There's certainly some of that I'm happening sure as is. well. I mean, oh, I, yeah, there absolutely is. So, oh. you know, um, it, they want call the money growing without the pain. problems. Too bad. Yeah. Yeah. We all know what <laughs> P. Diddy said. More money, more problems. Yeah. Right. I was just, just Thank trying, you. To, <laughs> trying to put that together, how I wanted to spit that one out. So, um, yeah, it's it's all it's all part of where we're at right now. And uh, wooded golf is as much as our players generally love it. It does present additional questions and challenges. And 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 you know, you and I've been around long enough as well. I I definitely don't want to see us playing LVC style golf year round twenty weekends a year. Uh, do I like seeing it? Absolutely. Do I want to see it 20 weekends a year? Absolutely not. Um, and I don't think we're going to necessarily get to that point, but, you know, um, I, it, it continues to come back to where are the priorities? Is it the spectators? Is it the players? Is it the best play? Is it the best courses? Is it the most revenue? Is it the biggest payouts? All of those things kind of hinge upon, you know, the very next uh, so we'll see. So All you, right. did, you got to do a bunch of the interviews. Uh, I, I watched a little bit of them. Did you pick up anything interesting, any gossip, any tidbits that we, that we can be talking about? 
I saw no, I, I see <laughs> Hannah Macbeth on the board, and I believe Paul maybe dropped some information during his uh, interview. Oh uh, yeah, uh, he he did say that, <laughs> and you know we're arriving on another level. This all is a perfect follow up, everything to what we just said. I think as he walked away, saying uh, he he referenced about selling his house and potentially picking up something in Florida. And when he then walked away, made a reference to, yeah, we're, we're selling one of our houses. <laughs> not many disc golfers. Another humble brag. <laughs> not many disc golfers are, have ever been in a position where they could make of comment or reference that we're selling one of our houses and they're doing it because they're buying another piece of property in another location. Um, so yeah, that, that was something that I guess was news that I'll admit I didn't know myself. I hadn't previously asked, Hey, how many more houses are you buying? But, um, yeah, so that's something that was news. And, uh, one of the other funny stories that he was okay to talk about is, uh, Luke Humphreys was talking to uh, said that he was dealing with how they just got kicked out of their Airbnb yeah. here. And, <laughs> and it was largely because I think they just have too many people or too many vehicles. I think, I think even vehicles, probably more than people were the concern uh, for this, you know, for the Airbnb that he was at, you know, whether they had six or eight or 10 people, I don't know what they were allowed to have, but I think um, you're talking about, and and it's, you're not inconspicuous at that point when you're renting an Airbnb and you see four or five of these ginormous vans pull up that are all decked out, like, like it or not, you're, you're certainly bringing attention to the rental property and which plenty of people I'm sure are fine with, but I'm sure there's a lot of other people like, Hey, it's supposed to be like you and your, your wife and your dog or whatever. And that's it. And so uh, they were dealing with that this afternoon as well. <laughs> Funny, funny to think about the 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 randomness of some of the problems that are being had out there, uh, out here on the tour. It's a different life these days. It's definitely a different life that they lead. It certainly is. Um, and then the one guy that outright missed his time, and I still don't know where he was because we somebody saw him on the course, and then after the press conference was done, I saw him warming up and practice putting. I'm talking about Matty O and maybe he just had a time lapse or uh, uh, you know, brain freeze or fart as they say, but Matty O did not make the press conference today. And I, I think maybe one of the biggest stories of this weekend is the fact that Matty O I think it was February 19th uh, had his appendix taken out. And I think, man, that was like four, four or five weeks ago. And I've never had that happen, but that seems like a very quick recovery. Heck, he won a tournament just a few days ago and had played in another tournament even prior to that. So maybe somebody on the board can let me know, but that seems like a very, very quick recovery. Johnny, let's cut you open. Um, See how long you take. We're not taking anything out of my belly. We're putting it in. <laughs> Let me tell you, my friend, it's uh, <laughs> uh, that's that's how this that's how this works. Well, normal. I think we talked about this before. Normal appendicitis recovery is four to six weeks after open surgery. Um, but it says you 
you uh, it says normal activity after a couple of weeks, but you may need to avoid more strenuous activity for four to six weeks. I, I would say crushing four and 500 drives would qualify as a strenuous activity. So uh, let's just hope that, you know, on hole six, someone's not stitching that boy up as he just burst himself open. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, anyone got any stitches over here? Uh, yeah. No, I, I'm sure he'll be fine. Uh, he he knows his body probably better than anybody, and he wants to get on the road. He wants to represent his new sponsor. He, he wants to show everybody that he's back. It's It's got to be tough to see all your friends competing at these high-level events, getting all the attention that rightfully he had deserved this season. You know, everybody mm-hmm. – he, he should have been being talked about at Vegas and Waco as uh, one of the top competitors, and he wasn't here. Yeah. Obviously I mean- for- perfect reasons you know uh but that's got to be difficult yeah and um again I, I, a little bit of a spoiler but this last weekend he competed in a in an event in uh, louisiana played three rounds of 18 plus nine additional holes that counted towards the score so when that's done what is that 54 63 holes of golf and i'm I may even get that footage uh, released as early as tomorrow. Um, I'm working on some things to possibly get that out as well. A little last-minute bonus coverage, able to make uh, the pot of gold coverage happen from down there in Louisiana. So big mm. shout-out to Re- Rebecca and Dave and then the entire club down there for that becoming a thing. But, yeah, it's he's he, he, as someone just pointed out, second last year, finished. I think he finished four strokes behind – Waisaki, but finished second here. And I th- wasn't that part of the big storyline last year too? Was his dominance at this event? Not this event, sorry. Just how well he's played here always in Texas. I know Ricky, you know, wins pretty much every year. Every year he competes, but Matty O has played really well at uh, on this property. And anytime he comes to Texas, I think was one of the big storylines as we looked at him last year. I mean. He's Matty O. You could probably you could say, say that, that everywhere. About, <laughs> about 46 states, probably. There's probably four sure. states that he's like, and one of them he's probably never been to. I bet you he's never been to Alaska. He's like, I've never played well in Alaska. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you've never played there, but I've never played well there. I bet you any other state you could yeah. look at Matty O's history and go, yeah, he's he's got a win and he's finished top five in every event he's played in this state. Texas is probably no different. Um, maybe it's a little bit because he's, not from too far away. He's probably played quite a few, you know, Matteo from the what Alabama area. Yeah. <laughs> Mobile. 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 Um, Chickasaw, Chickasaw Bogue. Um, yeah. So he's maybe played here a little more frequently, but I, I know Matteo is a talent and it doesn't matter what state you put him in. He's probably playing well. Yeah. Yeah. Mobile just after doing some math after the travel I did yesterday myself, but, uh, Looks like about almost exactly 500 miles from Tyler. If anybody wants to do some math on that, um, eight-hour drive, about five hours. All right. Um, yeah. So I, I wanted to quickly just touch on that pot of gold. Uh, look, great event that took place this last weekend down there in uh, in New Orleans. Uh, obviously, we had most of our competitors over there at Belton, but I also kind of felt like. Um, it was great to see someone like Matty O. He performed well throughout the weekend, and you know it didn't have the depth in terms of the competition. But he went out and played what you would consider Matty O. Golf, and I think the takeaway there is we should expect to see a, a pretty 
ready to go, fully recovered Matteo for this weekend's tournament. And as we were just saying, uh, that makes <laughs> that should make the entire world exciting um, because when he's playing well, we know how fun that is to watch. Well, everybody get your uh, right. your Saban references ready because here they come. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't really have any um, <laughs> at all except for whatever – <laughs> whatever he says and uh, some gesture that he makes with regard to uh to football uh, officiating <laughs> and yet it cracks us up every single time i don't know why I'll, you just have to stick with roll tide terry you know that yeah yeah that that one i can go with so uh very cool to see um yeah i don't i don't know that there was a, a heck of a lot more in in terms of you know, this weekend in this course, the course was the big conversation. And and I felt like, you know, Greg Barsby, you know, really took it head on. He's like, yes, yeah, some people certainly don't like it. Um, a, a lot of people do, but, you know, some people have said that they don't. And, um, you know, one of the questions I had, I think it was of Chris Dickerson. I said, is it, is it feel weird in this case? Because it's very tangible and, and distinct. Who designed this? You know, normally it's, you know, was put on by a club or some other, you know, designer that you're rarely competing against the person that actually designed the course. It's just not something we see that frequently within disc golf. And I said, does that well, make, I, you know, the, the feedback any more or less awkward knowing it's a peer? I was going to say so. that, that might not be the case recently, but you go back 10 or 15 years, that was probably relatively frequent. If you went to a course and played a tournament there, the guy who designed it is probably playing in that tournament. Um, how many, how many have you played that you have designed and you're, sure. yourself? To, I, but you're right in today's day and age, when we're seeing more specific course designers, um, you're right. You don't normally play against, uh, it's, it's an interesting trend to see because we've seen it for better and worse in the past players designing courses. We saw it at the match play event where Simon came out and did some, some early design on that course. And it, it got mixed reviews. You know, some people really liked mm -hmm. it. Some people didn't. Uh, we we've seen this before, uh, uh, out in, out in, uh, Oregon. Um, we saw, uh, DK. Dustin Keegan. Yeah. Dustin Keegan. He had, he had designed the course out there and some people liked it. Some people didn't, you know, but you got to play. Sure. You got to play with him maybe. So it, it's becoming, it's not as, infrequent as i think we think yeah i mean it, but i when i when i think of it in regard sure you could reference me and then me designing a course and then running a tournament and then playing against people that i that all of that may have happened multiple times but not at our highest level and yeah you have a couple of great references and as the board has also talked about um kale and the preserve that certainly would be a great reference in that case. And then some of the work that Brinster's done um, as he's done some uh, great course design. So uh, yeah, that would be the distinction that I would, I guess I would make. Yeah. You have your local pros doing it and then maybe also running the tournament, but we only have a handful of these people that perform at the high level and then it gets used and played at a high level event as well. So um, you know, because usually just so many of our our biggest courses are designed by Hauk or Chuck Kennedy, um, you know, and those types. But may, maybe this will become more and more of a of a uh, of a of a commonplace, as you're saying. 
or or Emac in <laughs> in Emporia, any one of those courses. If you happen to see him, he probably designed it at mm-hmm. some point. So, uh, you know, Brinster helped Lots out. Lots of people at, swear to Emac. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, he's probably just watching some Kansas basketball or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and and I do see Emac on the board along with Dean Arlen, a bunch of superstars out here tonight. Uh, and and uh, I know I sent him a private message, but uh, as did the world. Uh, big love and hugs uh, to Emac along with Denise, uh, all the friends and family out there. Big hugs to to them as uh, Ralph had passed on in the last couple of days. So sorry to see it, um, but as Emac said, he led a very very good life, and at the age of eighteen, <laughs> um, saw plenty of disc golf and had plenty of adventures. But we certainly That's... love you out there, and yeah, rest in peace, Ralph. Yeah, most certainly the one of the sports, probably the sports most famous dog to start out with, and uh, maybe we'll maybe we'll pass that on to Luke Humphrey's dog now. But uh, Ralph was definitely the sports pup for the longest time, so it's it's hard to. I mean, obviously you feel sad about things like that, but I feel that you know when you see somebody who's very very old pass away, you think they're in their nineties, man. They lived a heck of a life. It's you know, you can only that's more time to celebrate. You celebrate the life and you don't necessarily have to celebrate the passing or, uh, or mourn the passing as much as you celebrate the life. So R- Ralph was very loved by a lot of people. So, you know, our hearts go out to you, Emac, but, you know, just know all the all the joy that that pup brought to a lot of people throughout the last 18 years on tour. Yeah. And, uh, you know, speaking of other famous dogs, you know, Luke Humphreys, of course, uh, uh, with his dog, I think Hogan. Elisa Fakus with her cat. Uh, yeah. Uh, Hogan, thank you. Uh, Lisa and her cat was out roaming around today, uh, right before Paige came on and, and Paige got very excited. She saw, uh, her dog Torben, uh, came running up during the, uh, during the interview. And then right before Paige went on Lisa's cat, came roaming through. Uh, I was just out on a stroll. So it's uh, <laughs> it's funny. It brings a smile to my face seeing all these animals that are, are accompanying um, our sports uh, top players uh, out on the road and <laughs> taking it all in. Uh, nothing like a little cat love out there. I think Chris Clemens, who also celebrated her birthday in the last couple of days, big shout out to him. Uh, he has his cat in the van. I mean, man, I, I guess it feels like there should be some kind of inventory taken on who all has animals out there on the road with them uh, because it's, it's becoming more and more popular. And then uh, uh, Kyle Klein and uh, Cynthia Ricciotti also uh, have adopted a dog and taken on a dog in the last few months. Also. Yeah. It's uh, I, I don't really have a point then it's, it's becoming a more and more of a growing trend and then seeing the personality is animal. Uh, along with our competitors week in and week out has been pretty awesome. So <laughs> How soon? Hannah says they couldn't afford a Harrison Macbeth appearance. Yeah. Harrison's uh, yeah. Okay. How soon before what we, we need a disc golf pro tour sponsored uh, a pet shelter. Uh, like pet just division. A, yeah. As, shelter. as they, as they uh, <laughs> like a little pet area for, for a boarding for, for cat, and a, a boarding, dog a sitting. boarding, yeah. Yeah, for for our tour card players, a, a boarding um, uh, allotment or or whatever, I guess you'd call it. How soon till we see an animal that's not a dog or a cat? 
like someone, it's like someone's bird, a lizard, a, a snake, a bunny. You know, that would be iguana. like an iguana. Yeah, I mean, are we going to see? Are we going to see something? I mean, those are obviously much tougher because you know the temperature regulation for most lizards needs to be specific depending on where you're at, and you know, cold nights don't suit well for some. But I don't know. Are we going to hmm. see? Are we going to see? Yeah, that, that like, I, I could see. I could see a bird, a, a parakeet, a, a lovebird, a cockatiel, something like that that just kind of hangs out in the in the van. That's that's what I would roll with. I'd roll with a with a big ass bird. Hmm. <laughs> I, I, I can't Someone wait for put, the player who comes out with the most like exotic or random, as you were just saying. But like, oh, just all of a sudden you open the door and out comes uh, out of Cat Merch's van and comes comes walking a flamingo. Like it would just be awesome, <laughs> and, and it would be very on brand, I think, for Cat Merch too. But it would be uh, specifically. But yeah, I want to see. With the 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 safest yet most exotic, um, you know, setup is, I, yeah. I guess we have some work to do. Uh, I mean, or just Andrew fish in a cage, <laughs> you know. Then you've got a fish in a cage, <laughs> and you're set. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that might be pushing it. Well, all right, Johnny. Do we have any other uh, significant topics that need discussion here? I don't think we do. Yeah, we're no. just, we're Whether just it's getting... a regular show or after show, yeah. do you want to do you want to slide into after show conversation quickly, or do you want to? What do you want to do here? Yeah, we can do that. We can kind of close out the show and do a quick after show and just chit chat. We'll we'll do uh, uh, we'll do a giveaway. We'll do two giveaways next week. We'll we'll take care of that next okay. week and, uh, and and make that happen. Because I know you've got some recording that you want to get done yet tonight so we don't want to be too long and the broadcast starts tomorrow i believe at 9 a.m is when we go live uh, is it then maybe. i feel like it's 9 30 maybe it's 9 30 i don't know i don't ah, what do i know i, I show, show up early and then mo just tells me what to do so uh disc golf uh what network i, I want to say i thought i heard uh, a 9 30 start with a Roughly an eight thirty call time for myself. That makes sense. Yeah, you can just but go up to the again. schedule. Oh wow, that's a clever idea. Yeah, yeah I heard people complaining that they couldn't find the schedule. I'm like, well, did you click on schedule? <laughs> and it usually oh. has it there. You and your fancy ideas, Johnny. I'm just saying. Clicking on schedules. Um. Yeah, I don't have time to look for uh, nine thirty central. Scheduled for Friday, March 25th at 9.30 Central. One would think I would know that, but that's what I thought it was. So I'm just confirming here. So we'll go live with the second card of uh, FPO tomorrow morning at 9.30. And from there, we'll move on, you know, when 20 minutes later, when the lead card or the feature card, I'm sorry, the feature card tees off, we will have our cameras follow them. And... What, oh, uh, one one more question I wanted to get in about uh, about Tyler. How does the course look as far as conditions? They got a huge storm that rolled through um, that actually ended up rolling through where you were in the Gulf Shores. Another humble brag mm-hmm. over there, buddy. Um, <laughs> how is how is the course conditions? Is it muddy? Is it is it are there big puddles? Do we need to worry about anything like that? From what I saw, I mean, the course, is, and I'm guessing this is a, a lot of 
you know, areas in Texas, but the course is relatively sandy. And so there, there didn't seem to be any issues there. There are a few sections where it's a little bit uh, wooded and therefore uh, mud. It goes along with it. There was very little standing water from what I could see. Um, You know, if you, if you throw a, a bad shot on a few of the holes, you absolutely could find some standing water or some really muddy sections. But if you, dare I say, if you found the fairway on every shot, your disc will never get anything but a little bit of, of sand on it. Okay. So yeah, the can overall, and, and I think we're, we're forecast to be blessed with really nice weather for the weekend. I would say overall the course, you know, in its condition, I didn't, if there was any down trees or branches or anything significant, if there was any of that in the last 24 hours or 48 hours because of the storm that rolled through, it certainly had been cleaned up by the time I walked it today, which is kind of what I would expect with, you know, the team and the effort and everything, Steve story and the Rose city club and, and the pro tour and what everyone is doing. But yeah, everything seemed pretty straightforward and ready to go this weekend. So I'm not, not at all concerned about it. And one other quick thing to get here in the regular show is uh, a couple of people have asked about news on Eagle uh, and and I believe an MRI that's going to be taken. I, I will just wholeheartedly admit I do not have any updates or any details. Alta World, you know, posted the article talking about, you know, if he has possibly a tear and, if you know, what that could potentially mean. And, you know, I, I'm not in any position where I could. Well, even even if Seth Muncy, for instance, from Disc Golf Strong knew all the details, he certainly wouldn't probably be at liberty to share them unless uh, uh, Eagle had asked him to. So I don't have any other updates. Um, I, you're the best place you're honestly going to get any true update would be one of Eagle's social media posts. That's that's the only thing at this yeah. point that I would believe uh, with regard to it. Everything else will probably be some form of speculation or fanboy hope, wish, or dream, or or whatever. Eagle is pretty open when it comes to what's going on with what people really truly need to know. So just stay on top of probably his Instagram, and I think you'll be up as up to speed as you can be. Yep. Obviously, everyone's wishing the, best, wishing the best for Eagle. Hopefully, this MRI that he gets comes back mostly negative. He's clearly got some consistent pain and some issues, but... He's talking about some stem cell therapy, which is relatively ex- expensive, but, uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens when we get more information. And then at that point, when he's willing to share that, if he's willing to share it, we can make some determinations at that point. Everything else is just speculation. Yeah. I, and if there's one thing I've learned is that, um, everybody's a doctor. Uh, I've learned that in the last couple of years through this pandemic. So, um, I'm, I'm just going to go out and I did my own research. <laughs> okay. Don't worry. Yes, I know you did your, your double blind studies. All right, let's close it out for the regular show. We'll have a super quick after show where we can interact with everyone out there. Uh, looking forward to it. Uh, thanks to everyone that provided us the entertainment over at Belton. C- congrats. Nice work. Uh, not only to our champions, uh, over there, but also to the club and everyone else that pulled it off and looking forward to an exciting Texas state championships here this weekend in Tyler, Texas. Stick around. We're going to have an after show. We'll read some comments off the board, get you guys uh, any other details that we've got for you. 
uh, and uh, get all dialed in for this weekend. For Johnny V, I'm Terry Miller, the Disc Golf Guy. That's been Smashbox TV Podcast 395. We'll see you in a moment when you stick around for the after show when you step inside the Smashbox. Thank you to our $2 and above patrons. Your name is listed below in the credits. If you are interested in being listed as a producer in the Smashbox TV credits and supporting this and other fine podcasts, please visit patreon.com slash Smashbox TV. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Smashbox TV's Pod 395's After Show! Texas edition, to some degree. Uh, Terry Miller. Does that mean it's bigger? (laughs) I do not... Need to be bigger in at all? Uh, no, just the show or the, or the vehicle we're driving in. Uh, yes, uh, and of course, I, I give advice all the time. My conversation with someone um, always reserve the vehicle that you're comfortable with getting when you go make a car rental. Always reserve the smallest size that you're comfortable with, and. Then when you go to said rental company, like I did last evening, they said, oh, we have you in a, I think it was a midsize. I forget what they call it. I think they said it was a midsize. Is that good for you or or do you need something bigger? I'm like, nope, it's just me. Midsize is perfect. No problem whatsoever. Okay, well, it'd be, you know, really inexpensive upgrade to uh, get you into something a little bit larger. Nope, midsize is totally fine with me. All right couple minutes go by and she goes, well, I, I'm, I'm not going to go look for an intermediate car. We're just going to give you a complimentary upgrade to an intermediate SUV. I was like, hmm, okay, so you were out of the car that I reserved and you were then trying to talk me into the upgrade. I didn't bite on it and then you had to give it to me for free. Ah, people, this, this I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and just apply this right away. This is why anytime you're flying something like Southwest, you go up to the Southwest gate agent and you say to them, yeah, can you tell me like how full the flight is? And I think legally or or their policy is not to tell you exactly how many seats are. Sometimes they will, but often they'll say, oh, it's pretty full. And like by pretty full, like just a couple seats and they'll clarify whatever it might be. And sometimes they'll say, oh, it's not very full at all. You don't need to then upgrade to one of the first 15 or 30 seats. You're probably going to have your choice of seat when the plane's only three quarters full in the first place or only, you know, two thirds full. So just uh, it, it, it's funny how people will try and talk you into some of these upgrades when you might be getting them for free anyway. You just have to know to ask the right questions. So Terry's travel tips. Terry's travel I, tips. I've been around the block, around the country, and around a few other places. So, a couple countries. Yes, there's there's a, there's a few things that I've been picking up for sure. So, <laughs> Dion says new travel show. I'd watch that. I mean, for a little while, I was all hardcore as I was looking around in my uh, hotel room here. I should be reviewing hotel rooms. Largely because then there's a track record of when I go to a city and want to return, I then can always double check for myself. Oh, yeah. You know, hey, that was actually a good hotel. Or in this case, I know you said it was a little glitchy earlier, Johnny, but the Internet speed checked out at like 30 by 30 here. Not bad. It's pretty damn good for a hotel Internet to have 30 meg up. Any post-production team, Jomez, Central Coast. 
Gatekeeper, GK, none of them would stick their nose up at a 30 meg upload speed. So come on over. Comfort Suites, guys. Come get your upload. (laughs) Anyway, travel tips. Another day. Another day. I've got plenty of them, though. All right. So here we are in the after show. (laughs) If it's not obvious, we talk a little bit about disc golf sometimes, but we also uh, read off the board, whether it's the Facebook board, the Twitch board, the YouTube chat board, whatever it might be. We'll read questions, comments, and concerns that come in off of there. And we can uh, usually directly answer those. The other topic that's disc golf or non-disc golf related. Uh, the only question so far that I saw somebody, Ray, had asked about some NFL free agency stuff. Uh, Packers saw their number one wide receiver, Devontae Adams, leave for Oakland um, for less money than he was offered as a Packer. He, he's, I guess, apparently he's been always been a big Oakland fan and his College quarterback is at Oakland in Derek Carr. So he wanted to go to Oakland. And so my understanding is a couple of weeks ago, he kind of asked to be traded there and they obliged, which they should. So it's, uh, yeah, that's, uh, so the, so they get, you get that. I mean, the Packers don't really have a great wide receiver in core right now. Would they need to either pick somebody up, trade for somebody, which I don't see happening, or sign the next Jerry Rice? I don't know how that's going to work. Is does it speak volumes of either the culture or the organization or the or the people, direct people involved? Does it speak volumes when you're someone like Devontae Adams? And yes, I understand he's he's got these roots and these other ties to these other people and places, but he's also leaving arguably one of the best quarterbacks ever. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. I, I don't want him throwing me the ball anymore. Ultimately, like, so does that speak something of the culture? Uh, maybe it might. It, it definitely might. Um, and I know I said Oakland Raider because he grew up as an Oakland Raider fan. They are in Las Vegas right now. So they, he, he's going to be a, a Las Vegas Raider. Um, okay. That um, makes more sense. So yeah, well, whatever. Clarify. Um, I think I was a Las Vegas Raider a few weeks ago too, but that might've been a different <laughs> Anyway, so that's yeah, that's a little different. Um, <laughs> OK, it might say something to the culture. It might say something that, you know, if he's leaving for less money, but. I mean, they're an up and coming team. They're 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 a decent team. They've got, you know, Derek Carnot has a pretty, really, really good stable of people to throw to um, and a pretty decent running back. And I don't know. I just it, it again. You leave a mediocre quarterback, you leave a crappy quarterback, and all of those things make perfect sense. You're leaving one of the better. I'm not going to call him the best quarterback of all time by any means, but you're leaving one of the better quarterbacks uh, and one of the best of our current generation. You're just like, yeah, that's cool. Uh, I, I don't need you throwing me the ball anymore. It just I I think non-verbally it it says a lot. It, it very well could. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. If there's one thing I'm into, it's sports psychology. So. Ah, <laughs> you, you should really start. I know there's a few disc golfers that could probably use that. You should just start up a booth. Just get a tent and put an, and, uh-huh. and, and a black marker and write sports psychologist on the top. And then put like a uh-huh. money amount. Maybe it's 10 bucks. See how many show up. How many of these? 
I was just going to say, how many players would come talk to me? And is it recorded or is this all confidential? It's all confidential, Terry. You're a psychologist. I, I'm a doctor. That's right. We learned that in the regular show. Yeah, you're okay. A so there'd be some doctor client, doctor patient privilege there. Yep. Yeah, that is a good idea. Just step into my my rickety tent and uh, let's have a chat. Mm-hmm. Uh, m- maybe they just want to talk, Terry. <sighs> m- maybe maybe you're providing a service that they just want to chat. Yeah, what if it was something like uh, it, I'm not Catholic, but is that that's con- the confessional booth? No, like, so. wouldn't that be amazing to be that person that just sits there and then listens to disc golfers? They come in, they could be ranting about their round, they could be ranting about a card mate, they could be ranting about their significant other that that is you know they're on tour with, not giving oh them the gosh. right information I- on hole 17. Come on. Oh my gosh. There is so many good ideas for where that could go as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also a uh, quick update. Yeah. Some people have asked about my van. I made a post last week and uh, very much just trolled you guys. I, I did have a van. I rented the van in order to deliver uh, nearly 10,000, my disc in a box shipping mailers to the Ledstone uh, headquarters. So that van was simply for for that trip, for that day. Uh, it was one of our huge vans that you would see most of our players convert into a, you know, a full-time touring travel van, but I was just shipping cardboard boxes. And so, no, guys, I am not on the road I mean, I'm kind of on the road full time almost anyway, but I am not in a van traveling around week in and week out uh, with that lifestyle. So that was just me being silly. (laughs) Someone says, forgive me, Terry, for I have foot vaulted. I stepped on my mini on the green on the fifth hole and I didn't say anything. Yeah, it could be there could be so many incredible stories that would come in. Uh, if people were to, able to do that. Uh, Dustin Diss, who I know has been doing some work with the Disco Pro Tour and some of the new pieces that have been released. He's out there on the board. Says, Terry, it was cool to see that you covered an event in NOLA. Looking forward to that. Uh, yes, it was, again, it was something that kind of popped up at the last moment in order to be able to make it. Uh, I had to shift a, a number of things around, and it was really exciting. And I think maybe the big takeaway, believe it or not, Johnny, that is the first tournament I've ever filmed and participated and been part of in uh, the state of Louisiana. Okay. That's not surprising. Checked one off the list. I mean, just with the amount, I mean, for a couple of years now, I was averaging, like I was working disc golf related things for media in like 20 to 23 States. That was an average 20 to 23 different States per year. And so to now go to a brand new state and have never covered anything from there before, yeah, I got to uh, to, to check Louisiana off my list this last weekend. So pretty cool. All right, uh, Terry is multifaceted. And I, I don't know. If Do I we have anything from the board? Um, Any, anything we need to discuss? Anything we've missed from this past week that we want that we want to chat with? Do yeah, I feel like the eagle conversation was a big one. We kind of closed out the show talking about that. Um, I'm trying to see if there's anything else that's come in from our board. 
some chat about gas prices. They are this expensive. is a timestamp. Yeah, as a timestamp in Wisconsin, I want to say three anywhere from three seventy nine to three ninety nine is currently the uh, what I would consider the average uh, right now. Yeah, that's in Wisconsin. I'm in Texas this weekend. I think when I passed a gas station last night, same thing three ninety nine, four oh nine. Uh, somewhere in that neighborhood is what I was seeing for gas. So Why is it more expensive there? Don't they with the air in ten years? Don't they have all the oil there? I, I, I don't know these things. I don't, I don't understand how it works. Uh, I do want to give a quick shout out tonight. Uh, I was in a little bit of a hurry. I didn't know where I was going to go and wanted to get back and get ready for the show and everything. I stopped at Freebirds and Johnny. Your your direct equivalent almost would be either Chipotle or Qdoba, but very similar setup in terms of burritos, and it happened to be right next to the hotel. Apparently, I've been there before. I gave them my phone number when it was said and done. Like, okay, yeah, we added it to your account. I'm like, I've never been here before. And they're like, well, that phone number has been used. Um, so um, I just wanted to give a quick shout out. It was delicious, and I had some a regular burrito with a bunch of chicken and other stuff. But then I had creamy jalapeno dip or, or I guess, sauce for the chips. And let me tell you guys, it was amazing. That's what I can say about that. Uh, and then if you guys could chime in, where's the joint that I need to go to for some barbecue? Is it Stanley's? Is that what I've heard 300 other times? Uh, at some point, I'm going to have to go make that happen if that's what everyone has recommended. That's the Tyler, and, Texas and barbecue not, of choice. Apparently. And if it's not, you guys are going to crucify me here in the in the chat. But I, I feel like Stanley's is what I've been told. Uh, maybe that's the name that comes to mind. Three. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Eric says, I paid over four gallons. Texas. In 1996 was the last time I remember seeing gas for under a dollar a gallon. Oh, Johnny, I mean, you and I grew up in those days. Yeah. Of like 69 cent uh, gas, 89 cents. Yeah. I, yeah. It's kind of funny to think. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the yester decade those were. 94, 95. I remember you would just scrape together change out of your car to get, you know, a, like a gallon or two of gas <laughs> so you could make it to your buddy's house. And that would last you, you know, three or four days of traveling back and forth to work. Uh, and back when I was a kid, uh, just just for giggles, I was going to type in also, you want to guess what the average cost of a movie was in 1996? I'm going to go with $4.50. That's pretty damn good. It was it was uh, $4.42 was the average. So probably in Wisconsin, we were on the lower end of the average. And as I Googled gas prices in 1996, oh, how much was a gallon of gas in 1996? Uh, $1.23. $1.23 in 1996 specifically. And in 1998, a dollar six. Holy cow! Mm, <sighs> all right, all right. Um, <laughs> which is funny because yeah, last, uh, what... last week I told you a funny story about how uh, I was driving back with my son um, from his swim practice, and we we were out of milk, and I had to 
I, so I pulled into our, our Sendix, a gas station that's right next to uh, – it's like a gas station slash uh, grocery store. It's convenience not, it's store. A, it's not even a con- small grocer. It's like a small grocer yeah. is what it is. It's yeah, You're correct. not paying like obscene prices like you would like at a normal gas station. And I pulled my wallet out. I hand him a $10 bill, and I say, hey, buddy, I want you to go in and get the milk. He's 12. <clears throat> go in and grab a gallon of milk. Get 1%, the kind with the usually with the yellow cap. Okay, dad gets up, wanders in. I'm watching him. He's walking around the store because he can't. I don't know if he's been in that store before. We've we've lived in this house for a little over six months, but I don't necessarily know if he's been in that store. So he's kind of wandering around. I watch him walk the complete opposite way. He has to go walks all the way around towards where I know the milk is because I've gotten milk from there a few times. I sit down and just looking around on my phone like six minutes later, he comes out, opens the door and I hold up my hand. Like this, and he goes to hand me the milk. I'm like, no, moron, give me the change. He's like, okay, it's like two dollars and fifty cents. I was like, what? That seems off. Right, right. No. And he goes, yeah. I go, what the? And it, my first thought was, how expensive is milk right now? Like, is it really like <laughs> it? Like, milk should be in my head. I'm thinking milk should be like three, maybe four bucks a gallon at most. But like seven fifty or. Does inflation hit that hard? And then he sits down and I look and he turns the gallon towards me. And he had gotten the organic milk, the organic 1% milk. And I looked at him and went, oh, dude, you got organic milk? And he's like, it was all I could find there. I, I, I didn't know. I just got it. And I, I, and I thought, well, I'm glad I gave you the 10 bucks and, you know, not, I didn't have a five on me because normally that would have been good enough in my head. But so he came back uh, with yeah, s- a $7.50 gallon of milk. I could have strangled the kid. Uh, and, and he just kind of chuckled. He's like, <laughs> yeah, like, I'm like, dude, you could have got two gallons of milk for that. You moron. <laughs> um, which is funny because he's a really smart kid, but just. He had no clue. I, he, I don't think he's ever had to buy a gallon of milk in his life. And now he knows as I drilled it into him, uh, not organic, son, not organic. So, and it was not the I best mean, milk I ever had. It didn't taste like any different than any other milk. It, <laughs> it was just milk for crying out loud. Well, I mean, it, this is partially on you. Like you said, if you would have just given him the $5 bill, but from what you've told me in the past, you burned all the $5 bills you had. Well, yeah, I mean, you're like, oh, I don't need these. I, I I'm too rich the, for this. I was using I don't them for need scratch five. paper. <laughs> I, you know, I just needed to write down some notes, and I can't give them that. Uh-huh. So, no, I just had to have, no. have a $10 bill on me. So. <laughs> Makes sense. All right. Um, well, it, <laughs> as entertaining as this has been, um, like you said, I know you have a ton of stuff to do. I know I do. Silas yeah. Schultz, spoiler, uh, Silas Schultz is going to be showing up here any minute now. He's going to be helping me out with some commentary. And uh, if we don't have anything else from the board, I think we can call it. I see a couple of questions about the organic. He answered that it wasn't anything special. Um, yeah. Uh, and we'll have double giveaways uh, next week. Next week, we'll likely have at least one, if not both, of our uh, Texas State's uh, champions joining us for the show as well. So that should be pretty exciting. You want to welcome them? Like you, you want you want to tell tell us <laughs> who's going to be next week's guest, Terry? <laughs> like I'd like uh, to prematurely welcome Alexis Mondahano and <laughs> oh, there you go. And on the on the MPO side, Chris Clemens. Even though I don't think this is Chris a lefty friendly course, but I'm just 
But I mean, it's his birthday week. It's his so birthday week. He's so got he... a cat in his van. Is that a euphemism? Like, man, that guy's got, got a, cat a cat in his, his van. van. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, either way. All right, guys, we're going to call it. I know this has been a little bit of a weird week. I appreciate, we appreciate anyone's patience and understanding. Uh, it simply wasn't going to be a thing on Tuesday night. That's for sure. Uh, not only was my internet challenged or almost non-existent, but then they had storms and everything else that rolled in on Tuesday night. So uh, we apologize if it was kind of a, a last minute uh, alert for you guys and you were missing us on Tuesday, heaven forbid. But uh, we we do thank you guys for your patience and kindness and all of your support. And like we said, next week we can have an extra giveaway and uh, we'll keep rolling on. And uh, we're that much closer to three, well, to, to 400. I was going to say 399, but that much closer to 400. So, all right, I'm going to call it. For Johnny V, I'm Terry Miller, the Disc Golf Guy. This has been Smashbox Podcast After Show number 395. We hope that you guys all enjoy all of the coverage, whether it's post or live or a little bit of both. We hope that you enjoy it, and hopefully we'll see you next week for episode 396. We'll see you then. You step inside the Smashbox. 